episode 22 of the Dying Alive podcast, where every game at this point in the NHL season is the biggest game of the year. Wayne Simmons' final act as a flyer was to concuss Brian Dumoulin. Mike Darnay successfully returns unscathed, uh, albeit a little bit different, from the Stadium Series game. Uh, and Pat and I talk about uh, games played and trades made. Uh, again, episode 22, welcome aboard. As always, uh, Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh. Uh, apologies for uh, a week off. Uh, we didn't want to do the show without Mike and um, you know him getting a credential. While it was a big deal, it really threw a wrench in the show. Mike Darnay, I'll have you know that. I I, I apologize. <laughs> you know, sounds like we need to have an off-air discussion about priorities. Uh, other co-host here, uh, Patrick Damp of the Pens Blog. Say hello, Patrick. Hey guys. Um... It's not a hockey day in America today, so I can't really wish you a happy anything, but I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, every day should be hockey day in America. It is to me and it is to Bob Johnson, right? Isn't it? What about you, Mike? Is it to you? Yeah, why not? How was your experience? Why don't we just start the show off? It was good. Yeah, big tell day us all for about you. it. Big day. It was good. I uh, traveled out there Thursday, had uh, Penguins practice and Flyers practice on Friday. How many beers uh, did you have? Uh can't 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 go there. You plead in the fifth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You have the right Se- to do that. Second time in this podcast, <laughs> yep. the fifth has been pleaded on beers. Let the record show. Should just be. I think it's just pled. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely pleading on that. Um, there was a media reception Friday night where beers were free of charge. So that, that's that, that'll get you. That'll get you every time. Free yeah. Beers. Yeah. That's, yeah. So then uh, Saturday, the game was Saturday. I ended up staying an extra day, so I came home on Monday. Did you have a cheesesteak? I did. How Was it delicious? It was very good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get uh, onions and stuff on yours? I did get onions. Yeah. Which place did you get it from? Uh, n- neither of the tourist spots. Um, I would hope. I would hope not. There's so many better ones out there. Went to, it was a place called Jimmy G's, which is right across the street from where one of my friends lives. Got a requisite rule that I think mostly anybody who makes uh, seafood or any kind of food—not seafood, anybody, any any food—named Jimmy's just—he's making good food. Yeah, it was it was very good. <laughs> Unless we're talking Jimmy Jimmy's D's make, on the south yeah. side. Uh, yeah, that's a good exception. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was a very good experience all in all. Um, it didn't rain as much as they were expecting it to. When they decided they were still going to go at eight o'clock Saturday night, I was expecting it to be a downpour, and it really didn't uh, come down too hard until about halfway through the third period. So let's let's just start there. Let's we'll we'll jump right into the stadium series game because that game for me, like the aftermath of it from a you know discourse perspective, was just an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Oh, oh my God. Matt Murray was the worst goalie that ever played the game. You know, uh, the whole. I I mean, he he opened. I think I can't remember if he said it or if it was an analysis where he basically was like, yeah, I was my crease was a puddle. I couldn't push off. I couldn't move side to side. And I don't care what goal he's in that that's going to limit you. Well, and and not only that, but so so let me first preface that I did not see the last eight or so minutes of the game because in order for us to get back to our media room and where the flyers came back down the tunnel, which I wanted to get to because you don't get that kind of access all the time, um, you kind of had to go around the concourse, down a specific elevator, through several tunnels and hallways. And I thought with eight minutes left, I better get moving now because this game might be over by the time I get there. So by the time I got back down there, the game was already over. Um, but at that point in the game, it was it was very windy and rainy. So I could see how a goalie, aside from the crease being a puddle, could have a hard time seeing with the wind in your face, the rain in your face. It's not conditions that they're used to playing in. Well, allow me to interject. I thought that uh, towards the end of the game, there was a point where Murray went to the bench for a towel. You recall this, Patrick? Yeah, yeah. And I think they lauded it on the broadcast as a veteran move to waste time. I don't think it was a wasting time move. I just don't think he could see anything. 
Yeah, no, I think he was his face was probably soaked and he needed to wipe his eyes. I mean, it's the like Mike said, there was wind and rain the whole time. And as a goaltender, that's not at all an environment you're used to. Yeah, hey, even gonna, even from even from my own perspective in this situation, I have a towel to wipe my camera lens if it's raining. But once the towel gets wet, what do you wipe the lens with? Right. So it's like it's like you've got a glove, you got a uniform, you could you could wipe your face with something, but once it's all wet, what do you do? And and Pat, like you've been in those situations where something has happened to you. And I know like for me, the the worst possible thing that could happen is if you're playing like outside and it's raining or it's it's wet or you fall down hands first, having a soaked glove, like forget it. It's the worst feeling in the world. Why do you think NHL forwards change gloves by period? They don't want that feeling. They don't want that so like it's hard to grip the stick. It's hard to shoot the way you want to shoot. All that's true. So, I mean, imagine for a goaltender. I mean, I've never played goal myself, but it's got to be even worse. Well, think about it this way. And I know that it's a pro athlete who is in the gym a lot and has a level of strength above us mortals, but a goaltender's glove and blocker are some of the heaviest pieces of equipment you can get in hockey, right? And like, let me let me let me add to what you just said. Not only is the blocker heavy, it's holding a heavier stick. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he's playing the third period in wind and rain. And putting the wind aside, soaking his glove and blocker makes them heavier. And they're already heavy to begin with. That's going to make for a really difficult playing situation. He also doesn't have a mask, like or a visor, excuse me. So he has a mask, obviously, but it's got holes in it. Like it's there's no visor that you know you're just well, that, getting well, precipitation I, on. You're, it's going in your eyeballs. Yeah, I was going to say, but that that also gives him a, a little bit not an advantage, but the guys who do have visors, they're fogging up a lot easier because of the rain and wind. Oh, so. I'd almost prefer that, though, Pat, to just having drops go straight in my eyeball. Oh, I would. I absolutely. Yeah. I'm just – just the way I think about that is, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, rain and wind at an NFL stadium. It's indoors climate-controlled rink. But I know that when my visor fogs up when I'm playing beer league, it's the most annoying thing in the world. Like I uh, – post-college – Used the same pair of gloves for like six years because like buying new gloves, you know, for beer league was just not on my list of priorities. <laughs> no. So, so I used them like to the point that when you put them on within 45 seconds, they were drenched no matter what the situation was. Like they just had things living in them that just <laughs> activated when they touched human skin. I probably, that's amazing. Any like MRSA or something, but, but anyway, point stands. It's just the worst feeling in the world. And, and, to to cycle it back, that's the thing. Like, given every circumstance surrounding the third period of that game, I really think, and I think in the time since everybody has, we needed to step back and realize how many factors were fighting against the Penguins in the third period of the Stadium Series game. Yeah, now, it, it's it's one of those things where I understand it's just, a, like, legitimately, it is just another one of the 82 games. However... It is an outdoor game, and you are playing in the elements that you aren't playing in in the other 81. So it's not a cop-out, per se, when the weather is a factor. No, and I think anybody – and let me like, – here's my opus on, on Matt Murray. Like, here's my, my thesis, on unpublished. I, I just – and I take it back – Unpublished. I want your peer-reviewed, accepted thesis on this, sir. I know it hasn't. <laughs> I, I'm wait. It's not done yet. I'm, I'm still building. Um, and I go back to the. Let's go to the Buffalo game, the most recent Buffalo game here, to to give you an example, right? So the Penguins lose that game. Matt Murray, the first two Buffalo goals, which is absolutely victimized, in my opinion. Uh, you had the one where, where Zach Trotman laid down, and, and Jack Johnson's sort of spinning like a turnstile, not really breaking anything up. You've got Jack Eichel in a, in a situation before that where time and space in the slot with a screen. Um, you know, those are situations that if Matt Murray makes a save, it's probably more luck than anything else. But when the opportunity fell on him to make a save late, he also did not. So, so you have these weird situations where he's getting victimized, right? And he's, and he's making big saves, at points, 
right? And then when you need one at the end, you don't get it. Now, Montreal was a complete different situation because he gave them to you all night long. And Montreal, and that's huge on a second of back-to-backs, um, you know, to be able to do that. Uh, but I just feel like if you can sum this argument up, it's a consistency-based argument. We can have these disc- – I can excuse Matt Murray's stadium series game and simultaneously acknowledge that I think there are areas where he can be better. Right, and that's, I know that, that that's such a blanket statement, though. I mean, he's been pretty damn good since he came back. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But I think that the Penguins need him to be again ab- above just average to slightly above average. And he has. He's been top five since he came back. If you're you're including weighted data from the beginning of January, right? And I get that sample size. I understand. Look at. Honestly, just look at February and tell me that he was that he was giving you those kind of performances. I don't think he was giving bad performances. I think he was pretty solid. I mean, I think part of the other right uh, issue here is that there's so many other deficiencies with this team that if you're expecting solely Matt Murray to bail them out, that's probably a bad expectation. Well, no, that's not the expectation at all. But I don't think that February was his best performance. But that he had a great January, and I don't think he followed it up with. A stellar February. I think and he Casey, pre- and they know what stinks even more about it is that Casey DeSmith was terrible. So you get in a situation where maybe I think I think that puts a bit of a black mark on it too. Is that they weren't getting it from they were they were getting average to very slightly above average goaltending from Matt Murray and wickedly below average goaltending from DeSmith. So there Fart was sound goaltending. Like it, it was one of those things where like. One thing is bad, so it's gonna like it's gonna get magnified all the way around. Which, which I think that was the first time in a while that DeSmith has been flat out bad. Yeah, like DeSmith has been a perfectly <clears throat> capable replacement level backup goaltender, and then last month he was just awful. And it's also though coincides with last month being the point where he really bottomed out with playing time. So I think now it's just an ice cold situation more than anything right. else. Yeah. I don't. I mean, like the thing is, like I, I feel like part of it is uh, uh, overly lofty expectations for Murray. I know not with you, Jesse. I know you're somebody that looks into data and actually worships at the altar of logic and reason, unlike a lot of people. But I think overly lofty expectations for him to be like Carey Price on steroids. Mixed with a down month and some injuries, people are just – they're expecting something irrational from Matt Murray, and I think he's been really good. Yeah, and I think the reality of the situation is that the Penguins are 17th um, in shot share metrics, which isn't particularly good. Um, their defense is prone to just horrendous situations, especially on the power play. So I think it just requires – more sometimes and i also i would say i also want to add if people haven't you have to go back a little bit and find it in regards to the power play um adam gretz's piece about the penguins power play and the the shorthanded goals is great because for some reason one reason or the other the power play has always been like this the high uh high risk high reward for some reason this year the goals are just going in they hadn't in years prior yeah, I have to check that out. I didn't read that. It's really either. good. It's really good. It it it, it was uh, I think about a month ago. Basically, the the TLDR is this problem has always been there. It's just in the past few years they got the saves. They not even got the saves. Like it would either be they got the save, a guy missed the net, or the so defense. is the, the scoring chances against like the expected goals against data is not abnormally larger this year. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's, wow, that it, shocks it, me. It's always been this way. It's just for some reason this year the teams are capitalizing. See, being wrong can be interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can't I relate. I can't, I can't relate. I've never been wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> All right, bye. Do you guys want to play uh, cause and effect, the fun cause and effect game? What are the rules? You don't have a choice. So we got to workshop. We got to workshop the name. But I'm always up for us yeah. playing the game. Well, here's here's so. where really, I think really where we're going. Is is Eric Goodbranson's arrival in Pittsburgh a result of Brian Dumoulin 
in Chris Letang's unfortunate incident in the stadium series game? I think so. Um, and there's zero excuse for Chris Letang's half of that. Stupid, stupid on his part. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I would maybe, say maybe not, maybe not stupid, but very careless. I would say no excuse if it was against any of the other 30 teams in the NHL or 29 teams in the NHL. Uh, if it was anybody but the Flyers, I'd be with you like, come on, don't do that. That was stupid. But that game, that team. No, it's still stupid. Uh, it is still stupid. I'm just giving him a wider berth because of the the situation and the team involved. I think it was just one of those freak things, you know? Like, I think that that's a situation that, like, you know, 98 times out of 100, nothing happens to him there. Like Eric Johnson getting injured by a golf cart? Right. Exactly. Or um, who was it that got hurt? Dustin Penner cutting pancakes. Yep. But, I'm trying uh, to think yeah. of more situations, but, and I'm, I'm blanking now. Anyway, uh, to so, answer your question, I don't think that he would have been acquired if one or both of them hadn't gotten injured. What do we make of this story about Jim Rutherford trying to trade back for Carl Hagelin and then not really realizing that he was unable to do it because well, the, the it's, it's also careless. You know what? I, I, Does that worry you? Or do you are you being are, are you honestly tangibly worried about that? It, it's concerning. You know, at first, I I had the same reaction as everybody else. And, you know, let me preface this with a, guys, I know I've said on this podcast, I know I've said on Twitter that Rutherford got, got a wide berth for winning two Stanley Cups. He got a long leash. And as where we sit right now, he does not have much of it left for a lot of the moves he's made. However, I think there is a lot of gamesmanship among GMs in what they anonymously tell Elliot Friedman. I'm sure there was maybe like a Jim Rutherford brought up to somebody, hey, do you think we could trade back for Carl Hagelin with L.A.? And somebody went, no, we retained salary, that's not allowed. And it was quashed. I don't think he had his phone dialing central registry saying hi this is jim rutherford of the pittsburgh penguins i want to send a b and c to los angeles to reacquire carl Hagelin." and they went uh jim that violates the salary cap you can't do that i have a feeling it was a discussion and somebody quashed it and it got turned into oh boy he tried to do it now with, with that said i feel like it's more concerning that he tried bringing back carl Hagelin because he was terrible this year yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, it, it's it's not, and, and a, I think it was a panic move to try try to block him from going to Washington. I see. I I don't know if it was a panic move, just because. I, I, as much as I liked Carl Hagelin, and I know you loved Carl Hagelin, Mike. He's not moving the needle one way or the other for Washington. Scored a goal today. All right, he got his eight his goal for every eight weeks. We'll see him again in a few. <laughs> Pat's not wrong there, Mike. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm just being a dick. (laughs) That's like, uh, that's the, and we'll get into the the Branson thing in a minute. But like, you know, I I told somebody on Twitter last night, like, you know, saying that, you know, we can, we can objectively say that the trade was won because good, good Branson has played two good games. You know, it's like saying global warming doesn't exist because it's not, it was really, yeah, it was really cold in October that one weekend. Yeah, I mean, I ate. I I had lunch today, so that global hunger thing. I don't know about all that. Yeah, right, right. No, but um, to answer your initial question, Jesse, I'm with Mike as well. I think that that move was made due to the injuries on the blue line. And again, to bring up Elliot Friedman, the one thing he always says about trading is when you need when a GM needs a life uh, a life preserver, other GMs throw them an anchor. He, everybody in the world in the NHL knew Jim Rutherford and the Penguins need defensemen. I'm going to stop you right there. Jim Rutherford says he was on this weeks ago. Pre-injury, he was asking about Good Branson's availability. 
which makes me – I see where you're going. I understand your point. I don't think we have any evidence that that was the case here. It, well, I didn't, see, I didn't that, see the whole thing that had been in motion for a while, so I rescind all of that. Why'd you, sound like, why'd you sound like Marlon Brando there? It sounded like Jim Rutherford. I don't know. Uh, oh, okay. Anyway. Um, no. Yeah, so, so, they, so let's – go ahead, Mike. I, I was going to say while on topic of the Elliot Friedman report, um, I can see why he didn't want to leave Vancouver, but a good Jim Rutherford note would be that he was trying to get Alex Edler from Vancouver. Is that confirmed? That was in this. It was mentioned right before the Carl Hagelin. Oh, thing. okay. Um, but it, it was believed that Edler didn't want to waive his no move clause or no trade clause. It's like the Dan Hamus thing over again. Why? Why would you want to leave Vancouver? Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, if they would have got him. I'd be happy, but alas. And I, and and here's the thing too. Like I know Vancouver's not the greatest situation, but Eric Advance was objectively bad. Objectively, yeah, he's awful. Objectively horrible i watched the tape on it it was horrible i watched it we all looked at the data it was horrible how painful was watching the tape it was fun because while you're watching it you could watch like patterson yeah i was gonna say actual good players turning (laughs) branson into a turnstile yeah so that was funny you know like you, you know i only i don't see a lot of vancouver games so i wanted to do my due diligence no, but I mean, I, the, I thought it was the, interesting to you guys, by the way, if we could just comment the fact that, like, when I talked about the data, people were like, oh, shut up. You haven't watched him play. And then I watched him play, and people were like, oh, shut up. It's a different situation now. <laughs> and I was like, idiot. all right. Maybe maybe idiot. If I, I learned anything, it's don't analyze anything ever. I love when people tell me shut, to shut up because I will do the exact opposite. Yeah, you want to guarantee I'm not going to shut up? Tell me to shut up. <laughs> made a lot of people mad. A lot of takes this week. I mean, Jesse, I think you need to just stop watching tape and look at the spreadsheets, you yeah. jock. Be just, more of a just, nerd. Be just more watch the of data. a nerd. Just watch the data, tape watcher. Anyway, um, to be fair, though, I mean, Good Branson really hasn't been awful. No, I mean, through two games, he's been fine. And you know what? Get your torches and pitchforks ready, listeners of Dying Alive. For the last few games, Jack Johnson's been perfectly serviceable. Uh, not so much. I, I, I yeah, you're right. I, look, look, here's look, the thing. You're there's right, just, but there's you're no right. Just micro moments where he just melts down. And if you could get rid of those like micro moments, they don't ruin the fact that he turned in a good performance, right? No, and and once the blue line gets healthy, if he can turn in these perfectly serviceable moments on a bottom <laughs> pairing, then that's good news. Amen. Yeah. 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 You you are very correct that he has been serviceable, but the problem I feel is that that is probably his ceiling that that isn't sustainable. But that's what we expected his ceiling to be: is perfectly yeah. serviceable. That's, and therein lies the problem. I, I, I you are not going to get an argument <laughs> here. And I don't. Uh, you know, I'm not bemoaning the loss of Tanner Pearson. By the way, let me separate. No, I, I think it's important to separate that from the analysis. Like. Tanner Pearson wasn't bringing a whole lot. He was in a slump. I think he, like, for whatever reason, just lost who he was as a player here. Stop shooting. and here, here's, here's a quick funny story. So Monday, I was on my way home on Amtrak. I was going through all my pictures from the weekend editing. I posted a picture of Tanner Pearson. About six minutes later, he got traded. Oh. I was like, God damn. <laughs> quick turnaround. Yeah. It's like, well, that one's dated now. Um, so can, can we also talk about, um, the Columbus game and Columbus themselves? Please, you lead off. So I loved their performance in Columbus, first and foremost. I mean, you're coming off, uh, an emotional night in Philadelphia. You lose your top pairing both to injury and then in that game, you lose another defenseman and a forward, and they still were able to gut out a 5-2 win. You know what uh, that Columbus game and that Montreal game had in common? They what won. was that? They just came out of the, game, the, the gate just full bore, full steam ahead, and just stomped them into submission early. 
the encouraging sign that I had for both those games, Columbus as well as Montreal, and I know when this roster is healthy, they're not built that way, but the fact that they were able to shut it down late, they kind of just strangled the life out of Columbus and Montreal. Yeah. They didn't change their style of play. I, they, I think they did a little bit. Like, they weren't as aggressive. They took their – I don't want to say they took I'm their sure, foot yeah, off the – I'm sure, yeah, probably less risky. They probably right. were less risky. But they, they, they kept forechecking, I think, is the and point a, I was trying to make. And in a rare moment of good analysis – sorry, I know every, I know he's a Penguins legend, but in a rare moment of good analysis, Ari said last night during the Montreal game, at one, at one point he said, you know, you're, you look for the Penguins in the third period – to make less risky plays. They're not going to pinch. They're not going to take extra risks to get the puck to the net. They're just going to put the puck deep, and they're going to go to work. They had one pinch, and it led to a two-on-one, and Murray made a save. And Airy followed it up by saying, this is why I said this. The one pinch they've had this period, it got past them, and it led to a two-on-one break for Montreal. Yeah. Do you, do you think that is a product of the Jacques Martin effect in Mike Sullivan's ear knowing – how depleted they are on the back end, and that's their key to success for the time being? A little column A, a little column B. I think we've seen that Mike Sullivan isn't afraid to completely change his system whenever the situation calls for it because that's just the kind of coach he is. And I also think it's Jacques Martin saying, hey, look, my defense core down here is depleted. We need to really simplify. Yeah. And I think that they've been a little bit more strategic as well with who they're let who they let handle the breakout in Latang abs on Latang's absence. Like it's always Justin Schultz. It's always Marcus Pedersen. Like they've been just very dialed in with who's allowed to handle it on the controlled breakouts. I think that's to their benefit. Because you don't you know, again to use the old adage, you don't ask your you know, your dog to meow. Don't ask players that can't break the puck out to do it. If you have someone else on a line with them that can handle their responsibility, you know, let a let a Yuso Rikula do that. He's more adept at it. Don't don't fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah, and that was one thing I was going to note about the Stadium Series game. Um, one of the high notes was Justin Schultz looked like Justin Schultz. I think he's been great. Yeah, his return has been encouraging. I mean, you really expect a guy who has a leg injury and is out that long to maybe have a bit of a learning curve or uh, re-education into the lineup, but he's not really missed a beat. To your point, Pat, about uh, Columbus, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Zingle, Keith Kincaid, and Adam McQuaid. That's um, a good rhyme. Yeah, I was just going to say, wow. Yeah. It's just like a weird Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> um, they all uh, they all get traded to Columbus. But Columbus, Pat, still has a lame duck goaltender that traditionally has been the reason they haven't advanced in the playoffs. And I don't think trading for Keith Kincaid helps because he's the worst goaltender in the NHL. Correct. Yeah. So I don't think they fixed. I don't think they're fixed their problems. Is Keith Kincaid the worst goaltender in the NHL because of where he was? Or do we think he's the worst goaltender in the NHL because of who he is? Accounting for context, he's still one of the worst goaltenders. in the Yeah, NHL. I, I believe my phrase was not my opinion, but statistically. That, that's why I asked. That's why I mean, yeah. like, I, I, it's, I know this yeah. is going to come as a shock to people who listen to this, but I'm not exactly up on my Keith Kincaid statistics. Yeah. I, I copied that from somebody else, but I believe when they, when they sourced it, it was statistically, he is by and large one of, if not the worst, but I also think he's there. He's the third goalie, right? Like they're going to have Bobrovsky and, um, Corpusalo. Corpusalo. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I almost said Kokaniemi, even though I know that's not even a goalie. I feel like, though, Columbus – or not Columbus, Ottawa did okay with the, the Shane and, and Zingle trades. Yeah, I agree. I thought that the Stone one was one that really got ripped off on. Yeah, because uh, if I remember correctly, there was a better deal in the works with Calgary, but they didn't want to pony up to the prospect price. I, I thought I thought Ottawa overall did really well. I mean, um, well, a lot of that too, Pat, depends on what they do with these picks. They could go in the draft and just completely yeah, yeah. Like in, a, in, a, in a vacuum, Ottawa did well. But when you compound the last forty-eight months of their disaster, it's like this is just another nail in the coffin. If it, if this was if this was their rebuild, they did well. Yeah, but they fucked up so many other things along the way. The thing the thing I want to ask about Ottawa is this. 
and we can go back to Columbus if we'd like. How much of what is going on in Ottawa and the way we talk about Ottawa is a product of who their owner is and how their owner acts? A lot of it. Because do you remember do you remember when here's a good example. Do you remember when that doctor got drug off that flight? Was that United? I believe so. You know what I'm talking about though, Pat? Yeah. The, the, they overbooked the flight and they did. Y- yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. okay. And then the CEO came out and like issued the most callous and like just it, I remember that, yeah. an apology of all time and made the situation like 15 times worse. Yeah. It, yeah. Or it's no, like Ralph no. Northam. It's like Ralph Northam going to a press conference to admit that he wore blackface and then thinking about doing a moonwalk during the yep. press conference. Like, those are just things. Like, you don't do those things, you know? And like, I think Eugene Melnick has become too present. He just needs, yeah. he needs to not be present for a long time. Like, the, and like even this week, even this week, you, you hire Mark Crawford. So first of all, like the whole Guy Boucher firing thing is just so weird to me Like, because there's no reason for it. Nothing, it's not fixing. You're not solving anything. They, they, well, got, it, rid of all the, they got, got rid of all the players and then blamed the players and fired the coach. So Mark Crawford comes in, and when they announce Mark Crawford's hiring, they say Mark Crawford takes over as interim coach of rebuilding Ottawa Senators. Why is it necessary to say that? Like the New York Rangers put out that letter, right? And like people are like, they ha ha that for a minute. But like, I thought that was really smart. And then the Rangers haven't used the word rebuilding since then. Yeah. The the thing that, that blows my mind about Ottawa, right? Is their fans and pundits all around are so down on them. And understandably so, but you look at the amount of draft picks they have coming up in the next three years. You look at who they have um, in uh, Binghamton, and then or not Binghamton, um, Belleville, and you look at a lot of the assets they've that Pierre Dorian has uh, gotten for the guys who are going to be on their way out, and the future is. Not that bleak for Ottawa, but because Melnick just keeps stepping on rakes like nobody has any confidence in it. When in reality, if he would just shut the hell up for 10 minutes, there could be a good PR opportunity in that. Yeah, but I I go back to last year and like they took Jacob Bernard Docker like where they did. And that was like a move that you're like, you know, like what are you doing? Like and then they go to the BCHL with number 48 overall. And you're like, uh, what are you doing? They go back to the BCHL at 126. Like, the, I think the point is, is like, if you look at their draft history, it just doesn't scream. Like, I, I feel like you could be safer, Pat. Like, if you have high round, like if you have picks like they have, don't swing for the fences. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can if, if you're, you know, like Brady Kachuk was kind of a no-brainer, right? But, like, my point is, is that take, if there are sure things in the top 20 – Right, I'd rather do that than swing for the fences for something that most people have ranked in fifty or sixty. Like if that's going to be their, their uh, policy, that's a bad policy in my opinion. Go back to twenty sixteen; they had the eleventh overall pick, and they took a huge center, Logan Brown, and he hasn't played in the NHL yet. If I, I don't no. think he has. He has not. Yeah, no, and I mean, like, th- there's there's scrutiny to be had for Dorian in the scouting department and everything, but. It's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. It's just the fact that their their owner just is so present and he's just such an idiot that like it, it, um, he is like I, I, yeah, yeah. I was going to say a different word, but never mind. Uh, Logan Brown played two games for the Senators this year. Two games. Sorry about that. I re- I remember when he was drafted and everyone's like they drafted a big guy who can't skate. No. And obviously but, Drake Bath- Drake Batherson obviously is playing this year too. So, I don't you know, know but, I, I, my point still. I'm still sticking by my point. Anyway, yeah. no, I we've mean, gotten the, way off. We've gotten way off topic. Oh yeah, but but what um, do we think? What do we think about what Columbus has done? Uh, I mean, it doesn't make a difference to me for the point that I mentioned earlier about goaltending. It just that doesn't change. Yeah, like it doesn't change anything for me. Yeah, and and given the number of acquisitions, you probably have to give them some time to gel together and see how things are. Yeah, I mean, it's bad timing on their part. They're in a playoff race. Yeah. It's not like they have time for this. 
You know? I mean, I mean, I mean, there's a viable possibility that they could end up out of the playoffs and not pick until the seventh round. From a Ooh, from a from a broad perspective, though, I love that Kekalainen was like, "Fuck it, I'm going for it." Yeah, yeah. no, me too. Yeah, because because you know, Panarin is either going to walk or play the KHL card. Bobrovsky could do the same. If you're sure those guys aren't coming back, you, you can't be sellers when you're three points out of playoff spot with your fan base. You got to go for it. Yeah, and and the thing I'll add is I've said it on Twitter and I've I've talked to people about it is it is such a loser's mentality to be like we have these big talented assets that are going to walk at the end of the year. So we might as well trade them to get something out of it. Sometimes the best return you can get for a big asset is to hold on to them, build around them and say screw it. They're gonna. They may be gone at the end of the year, but we want them to walk out with a championship ring or as close to a championship ring as possible. I mean, we, we're t- we're talking about a franchise that is the only one in the NHL who's, who has not won a playoff series. If you load up, you win a series, maybe two. Think about what that does for your fan base long term. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the problem: if they get the second wild card and they got to go to Tampa, they're out. In Correct. The first round again, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I, I get why they're doing what they're doing, but. It's, I don't, it's a, I don't it's even a know that they could beat the Islanders at this point. So, um, looking ahead to the Penguins, though, I mean, they're going to see a lot of Columbus. So, we've got the home and home coming up right around yeah. the corner. Uh, this Panthers game on Tuesday is a big one because the Penguins kind of blew that last Panthers game and just got totally did not do what they needed to do in that one. Going um, to make a prediction with the home and home coming. Panthers game's a trap game. I don't know. We'll see. Before we uh, hit the music. Two, I think I believe we have two things. I have a thing. Uh, somebody pointed this out to me. Brian Muha, the bartender at Piper's Pub. I got to give a shout out uh, to Tony Jamie, uh, who passed away. Anybody who went down to Piper's and was just a part of that group of people that would go down there and watch football on the weekends knows who Tony was. He kind of just held court. Um, it was I always my favorite Tony moments were always the ones where you'd catch him at seven, first game in the morning. Spurs aren't playing. You kind of got them to yourself, you know, before the bar filled up. Um, but Tony was awesome. He, he was the reason that there were so many Spurs supporters as uh, there were at Piper's, although I didn't, you know, particularly enjoy that aspect given the fact that, um, you know, I hate Spurs. But, uh, but Tony was just a gem. Uh, kept handwritten scores of every game. FA Cup, Premier League, he had a book. Uh, and it, I mean, he was... was so, so if you would ask him, like, who won eight weeks ago, he could pull his book out and tell eight you. Eight years ago. Wow. 18 years ago. That's like he, wild. Yeah, like he was just – that's the way he rolled. Like he was just an old-school stat keeper guy, you know. Um, big supporter of the Tartan Devils too, uh, which is a soccer club in Pittsburgh. So uh, Tony passed away. It's that it's a void, uh, you know, that, that that place is not going to be the same. Uh, so I had, I have to give a shout-out to that. I, I was gonna. I would have done that last week, but obviously we didn't have a show. So, um, yes, Mike, you have news yes. that you'd like to share. I, I do. I watched a new movie. I heard about yes. I know about this. So, okay. Yes. So, so okay. yeah. Go so ahead. as it as it has been well documented, I don't watch movies. That's true. A few nights Literally, ago, I decided yeah. decided to watch A Star Is Born. I give it five stars. Out of five. Yes. You know what I said to this, Pat? What's that? I didn't trust his opinion because he hasn't watched enough movies for me to believe that he has good taste. <laughs> he te- he <laughs> texted me. How do I trust? It- you know what I mean? Like, you slap a steak down in front of somebody who's never eaten steak before. It could be charred, grilled, hard as a rock. They'd be like, oh, this is great. Be like, oh, yeah. Like- it's far- wait, 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 wait. I believe you appreciate a well-done steak. I do, but you're missing, the, you're missing the point here. The point is I watched a movie. I would go to you for like drink or liquor recommendation. <laughs> like if you had said to me, I tried this rum, I'd be like, oh, I got to have this. Mike, Mike suggested it. Before, um, before we also hit the music, I do have some news as well. And I haven't really told a lot of people this, so I'll break it on the podcast. Uh, I'm returning to the team I played for for 12 years growing up, the Allegheny Badgers. I'm going to be the... 2005 birth year head coach next season so i'm um, coming home 
Nice. Coming home. Coming home to the Badgers. I have a question. What do you got? How many of the kids are going to be taller than you? Most of them. Just don't go all defensive on me. Don't don't mm. don't have them out there playing some kind of like restrictive trap. Oh let God no! Oh God no! They're going to be fast and they're playing the two one two. Yeah, let them let them run wild. You know. Hit the music. Let's hear this paper shuffle. Okay. <laughs> there they are. Okay. There it is. Uh, first question is from Jeremy. If you could bring back one hockey team that no longer exists, who would it be? His choice would be the Quebec Nordiques. I always bring back the California Golden Seals when I create a team in uh, NHL. I'm a big fan of that old Colorado Rockies logo. I'm bringing back the whale. Oh, Spicy. Uh, Peep asks, how good is this headline? And the headline was, yes, they McCann. That's how I feel like it's overplayed. A lot of people are doing that. Yeah, even I do it. And if I'm doing it, it's not that creative. Uh, staying on topic, uh, this question was asked before <clears throat> this actually came to fruition. Uh, Irish Berg Proud asked, can slash should Jared McCann be used on the top two lines? Smart question. Look at the big brain on Irish Burger Proud. Came through <laughs> about four or five days after it was asked. Sign that guy up. No, but that's smart. I think he's. I think he can. He is similar to Brian Rust. He can play up and down the lineup. He's I like what I've seen. I like what I've seen so far. It's a, it's a six goals in fifteen games since they acquired him. Yep. Yeah. I've, and I've, has, I've liked what I've seen from Nick Beekstad too. Yeah, <laughs> I find it hilarious too, and I, I I had to look it up because of the broadcast sometimes getting stuff wrong. But there last night against Montreal, he had an assist, and Ari was like, "That's his first assist as a Penguin." I was like, "No chance!" And then I looked up, I was like, "Oh, yeah. yep, that yeah, was actually his, yeah, he has six all goals his, and one assist. All his, his points were goals until that one." Uh, Melinda asks, "Are there any players from your childhood that you were a fan of for no reason whatsoever?" German Titov. Okay, she mentions being a staunch Maxim Finneganov supporter because he was really fast in NHL '99. True. Oh, okay. So I was. Eh. He also, I, I, I like the Finneganov because he he wore '61. I like those kind of numbers. Um, they, I'm I'm a fan of the Buffalo Slug jerseys personally. I liked them too. Yeah, I didn't hate them. And I don't know if this I don't know if this counts as my childhood. It's more my teenage years, but and it's not of. Out, it's not a stepping out of the ledge pick, but he actually got his number retired last night. I was I loved Jerome McGinley. Yeah, like yeah. My, my my dad always had uh, NHL center ice every year, so anytime I would come home from hockey practice in middle and high school, if the Flames were playing, I'd stay up and watch like two periods just so I could watch McGinley. Yeah, I, uh, when the Penguins traded for Garamond Titov, I was beside myself. <laughs> <laughs> When I was a kid, it was Keith Kachuk because he has a sweet fucking name. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Kevin Reuter asks, what are your go-to podcasts? Personally, I'm a fan of Dying Live. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I've been into Joe Rogan recently, but traditionally speaking, the Football Ramble, best English Premier League pro- podcast that you'll ever get, um, Radio Lab, more perfect uh, but now I'm 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 on that Joe Rogan. I just listened. I'm halfway through the four and a half hour uh, Alex Jones one, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I, don't, I I don't like Rogan, but we'll save that argument for off air. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, for uh, I listen to a ton. Uh, for politics, I'm big on Pod Save America. Um, hockey, a really good one is Puck Soup. That's Greg Wyshynski, Sean Mikendo, and Ryan Lambert. And uh, one that I really enjoyed that you can binge because it's over is Bagman by Rachel Maddow. It's all about former Vice President Spiro Agnew and how he was an unbelievable criminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. I don't listen to any because I spend very little time in the car, which is where I would listen to them. So, um, as usual, I'm indifferent. Gotcha. Uh, Morgan asks, who is worse, Eric Gabranson at hockey or Pat in a hot dog eating contest? Ooh, Pat, for sure. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> a low bar. Yeah. Yeah. That means two things. Hey, good Branson at least made the show. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> uh, Devin asks, what is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is people waiting forever to watch Game of Thrones, Devin. <laughs> dude, that's dude, good. Come on, her her journey it's through fun. Game of it's Thrones fun. has been lie, legendary. Yeah. For people who don't know Devin, she she never watched Game of Thrones, and she's doing it now. She just got past the Red Wedding. Um, oh. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch her experience it. Um, I don't know that she's going to get done. I don't want to challenge her like that, but she's running out of time, Devin. You better hurry up. Well, I, uh, in fairness, I think she got through a full season yesterday. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, Good that makes God. me feel a little bit. That makes you feel a little bit better. That's not hard to do, though, when you get into it like that. I mean, yeah, no, you um, can burn a this, day on that. Yeah, show. By the way, can. this show is going to get game. I'm going to warn everybody listening. It's going to get real Game of Thrones heavy here. Like it's yeah, I can't I'm, wait. I, will, I can't wait. Yeah, it's I will get, accept any and all Game of Thrones correspondence. Yeah, yeah, I need to dust up. I need to dust up. Same. <laughs> I got to do like a quick rewatch, like just watch some of the like big episodes from each oh, season. Pat, it, it's good that you recognize the importance of preparation. <laughs> And practice. A little too late. I Go hate ahead, this Mike. fucking show. I hate it so much. <laughs> uh, Jay asks, any upcoming prospects at the draft this year we should keep an eye on? I'm going to defer to you. So As, um, That's going to Jesse. So far, I haven't even lift as much as lifted a finger for the damn draft. Oh, 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 what was that you were just saying about preparation there, pal? <laughs> yeah, but I used to get my shit done. I don't have a track record of failure. <laughs> While on topic, I would like to note that it is nice that the Penguins kept their first round pick for the time being. Yeah. Big fan of that. Big fan. Uh, it's supposed Lowell to be a pretty asks, deep draft by oh, all things considered. Oh, it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Lowell asks which current Penguin, not counting Phil, could finish the hot dog challenge that Pat failed. I'm going Dumo. Same. That I had that written down. I've seen him drink three beers at once. That. Yeah. Say no more. I'm going Sid. I mean, because he wins at everything, yeah. Not even because he wins yeah. at everything. Like, he's that dude that, like, probably has some ridiculous workout routine, so he, like, needs to eat everything in front of him at all times. That, and if, if he knew he was going to be partaking, he would be prepared. Yeah. Uh, and follow-up was, which current Penguin would you least like to go on a road trip with and why? Matt Cullen. He's yeah. got like he's got like eight kids. Yeah. And like he's it's it's not gonna be as fun. He's he's old. He's gonna have to stop to go to the bathroom all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, Ord asks, what play should Crosby and Malkin's statues portray? Uh <laughs> SIDS <laughs> needs to be the he, goal he, against the saying, Islanders. Yeah, Islanders goal for Sid uh, for sure. He he noted that his Crosby pick would be spinning Jason Spezza like a top behind the net. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's a good choice. That's Malkin's. I uh, go try to go backhander, Carolina. Yeah, backhander. Yeah, or galloping through all five Tampa Bay Lightning. Another good one. Oh my god. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I got two more. Uh, Meta asks, "What are your thoughts on Rutherford's?" Deadline move and comments about protection dating back to earlier this season about Alexiak and Wilson. So stupid. Dumb. Absolutely dumb. Totally unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary and it's not a factor. Um, And next question, last question. It's from David James, also about Rutherford. Would the Pens be better slash worse slash same if he was not the GM this year? Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I honestly I have no idea. I, 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 I would say the only thing I would say is he should have hung up the phone and put it away after he made the Bugstad and McCann trade. Yeah. yeah. Lock your phone away. If that, yeah. If that was how they finished the trade deadline, that'd be fine. Um, and David also had a follow up here. Do you drink coffee? If so, what is your style of choice? I do not. Wow. Why? 
think it's gross. I think you're gross. If I get coffee, Mike, I get like an iced caramel macchiato. Okay, that's a nothing, fair answer. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. I, I didn't know if you guys were going to consider that real coffee. Yeah, that's Dude, fine. Yeah. I, I, th- that blows my mind when people are like, oh, you got like this goof. Like I know we all goofed on Mike for a while on Twitter about his coffee orders, but like drink what you like and shut up. Here, here's my here's my reasoning regarding coffee. I work like fucking 65 hours a week. I need all the caffeine I can get. Yeah, yeah and being that this was the first season since uh, – the fourteen fifteen season, I wasn't working in hockey, so um, I'm the same as Mike. I needed as much caffeine as humanly possible. Um, what do we got coming up this week? We plug in anything? I want to talk about Jake Gensel this That's, week. Yeah, Jake Gensel is very good. That's what we're going to um, talk about. <laughs> I will plug. Uh, now almost a week old, but Tuesday morning I had a. Photo story of sorts. Actually, two of them, one from Saturday and one from Monday um, with photos from the Penguins practice and from the Stadium Series game, a sampling of my best work from the weekend. It's worth a look. It's really good stuff. Nope, I got nothing. All right. Might have a hot dog or two this week. Hey. Not in in three minutes, you won't. We're going to uh, leave you with the Vine of the Week, and we'll be back next week. No more, no more weeks off. Hashtag no more weeks off for the Dying Alive crew. Uh, we will be back with takes. Be prepared. See ya. See ya. Hurry up. We're going to be late for school. Bruh, chill. I don't know why you're in a big-time rush. Ah, ah, ah.